The reading from God's Word is taken first from the book of Psalms, Psalm 8. The sermon this morning is on verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 8. So let's read the whole psalm, Psalm 8. The heading is to the chief musician on the instrument of Gath, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. The Lord Jesus refers to this psalm in Matthew 21, and we'll read that as well. Matthew 21, we'll read it verses 1 through 17. Matthew 21, now when they, that is the Lord Jesus and his disciples, drew near to, drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage. At the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road, Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitudes said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. 
And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, it's my privilege to proclaim God's word to you this morning. As we find in our text, and I do so under this theme, our king establishes his majesty out of the mouth of babies and infants. Our king establishes his majesty out of the mouth of babies and infants. David spent many nights out in the wilderness under the open sky. Think of the time that he had to flee for King Saul. But even before that already as a shepherd with his sheep. But think about the situation where he was fleeing from Saul, not knowing if he would still be alive the next morning. And he is sleeping out there in the open field and he sees the sky and the stars, there's no light pollution, beautiful view of all the lights, the stars in the sky, an amazing sight. And he sees that. And he stands in awe of the grandeur of God, of the majesty of God. You read about this in verse 1 and verse 3 when he says, O Lord, I consider your heavens the work of your fingers. That's how he looks at what he sees at night. But he sees more because he is also a child of God. He's a covenant child. And therefore, not only does he see the awesome power of God and his majesty in creating things, he connects that to his own life, as you did this morning, when you said that your help is in the name of the God who made heaven and earth. And so David, as he was laying there and seeing these stars and, and being amazed at the handiwork of God. He says, but this God is my Father, and He cares for me, and He watches over me. And so in verse 4, he speaks about that. What is man that you are mindful of Him? That this Almighty God is willing to deal with me and, and to protect me. In fact, says David, this God has given to us humans an amazing place, an amazing position. He has given us dominion over this whole world. 
And you notice the references to Genesis. And the Lord said that this whole creation is under your dominion. And on my behalf, you rule over it. And David thinks about that. Isn't it amazing that this God is willing to put that into our hands and give us the rule over his world? Who cannot but praise him? And so Psalm 8 is a psalm of praise. Actually, it's the first one in the book of Psalms where we are called to and where we actually do praise God But it is a psalm of praise to God as our king. Psalm 8 has, you could say, royal overtones. You also see that in the fact that the psalm refers to our rule over this creation on behalf of God. That means in the background of this psalm is God's rule over this creation. And you see that in the very beginning and the end of Psalm 8, where it says that the name of the Lord is excellent or majestic. And the word that is used here is a word that is typically used for a king, a king who has his glory, a king who has his power, a king who rules. It's also referred to, for example, in the Psalm of Moses, after God had destroyed Pharaoh and his host and, and Exodus 15 and they were standing at the shores there and then they, they acknowledged the majesty of God and that means he is king and he rules and he, he protects his people and he destroys his enemies. That's also why in verse 3, in verse 2, it speaks about silencing the enemy and the avenger. It is about the glory of our king. And David finds his shelter, his protection in the power of that king. When you think about that, that's kind of the overall picture of Psalm 8. How does verse 2 fit in this? Verse 2 it says, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. How does it fit in a psalm that speaks about the glory, the power of the king? What comes from the mouth of a baby? Or a little one, a nursing infant? Cries, noises, babbles, cries when there is hunger, noises of contentment when the baby is fed. That's what comes from the mouth of a baby. And, and when you first hear that cry when the baby is born, it's wonderful. You're excited to hear that sound of that baby. Baby's alive. Very exhilarating. But then when the baby is a bit older and you want to have a good night's rest, 
and you hear these noises, you may not be as happy. You have to get out. You have to feed the child and take care of the child. But that's what comes from the mouth of a baby and and a nursing infant and a toddler. Just noises, and at times you can delight in them, but at times also it can be somewhat more difficult, even overwhelming. When your house is filled with noises and you want to have a bit of rest. So how does it fit in here? There are translations who who try to, in a way, get away from this a little bit and, and translate children rather than babies and nursing infants. Because then you're dealing with children who can already talk, who can respond. And yes, it's true, they are included in Psalm 8 as well. But the term that David uses refers to the very beginning of life. Soon after you, you were born, a baby, a little one that needs to be, be nursed and can't really talk, cannot make sentences. And, and how does that fit within this psalm about the majesty of our king? Well, that question, in a way, highlights a problem with how you look at this psalm and these children. Because if you focus on or ask about what can these children now do, they cannot really say anything. What they say doesn't make any sense to us. And and if you think about that, and indeed you think, well, how, how does it fit here? But the focus of the psalm is not on the child. The focus of the psalm is not on the baby or what the baby says, whether you can understand it, whether it is intelligible or not. The focus of the psalm is the king and his glory and his power and how he, in demonstrating his power, uses the sounds that come from the mouths of babies. Whether you understand them or not, it doesn't matter. The point is what he does with it. And that is what Psalm, two, Psalm 8 highlights. How our king is glorified by what comes from their mouths and he uses it. That David, David speaks this way, brothers and sisters, should not come as a surprise. That David speaks about the little ones in such glowing terms is, is no surprise because David knew himself to be a child of God's covenant. And he knew that God had made his covenant, Genesis 17, with believers and their little ones, their seed, from the very beginning of life already, they belong to God. And you see that also in what we sang in Psalm 22, where David speaks about his relation with God as, an, as a baby, while he was at the breast of his mother. And Psalm 22 is, is also a psalm in, about difficulties. It begins with those well-known words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt forsaken by God. He, he felt so alone. I, I, I'm no longer a human being, he says. But, but I trust in God. And then he says, 
I trust in God now just as I did when I was just born and I was drinking at the breast of my mother. And he said, that's the same today. So he speaks about that young life from that perspective. Oh, there are other examples in the Bible. In the Psalms, we sang Psalm 71, and Psalm 131 is another example. For brothers and sisters, the, the beauty of God's word, the beauty of God's covenant, is that babies and infants belong to him. They belong to his covenant and congregation. They live with the king. They belong to the king. They live for him. And now in Psalm 8, our king gives us a window into how he looks at and uses these very little ones. And he says, yes, they're incorporated not just in my people, they are incorporated into my army. Notice in verse 2, it speaks about silencing the enemy and the avenger. That is army terms. And so the king says, I use these little ones and the sound that they make in my fight against the enemy. I said to you, Psalm 8 is a psalm of praise of God in his majesty as king. That our God rules supreme. And there are more psalms that deal with that. I think Psalm 93, 96, 97, 98. The Lord our God rules, reigns. It's beautiful. His majesty. And it's a comfort but this king has enemies. There are opponents to him. And, and these opponents are out to stop his work. They show their hatred to him. And so the king has to fight them to show that he is indeed the one who rules. And our king does that. He rules and he fights he defends his honor. Now he uses his angels for that. This afternoon we hope to hear more about that. Because he's the Lord of hosts. Thousands upon thousands of, of invisible servants that are there to protect him and also fight against the powers of evil. Yeah, he uses his angels. He also uses his people. If you see the stories in the Old Testament, for example, God mobilizes his own people, Israel, in the fight against the enemy who tries to stop the word and the, and the light of God's word to be shining in this world. Of course, he doesn't need the angels. He doesn't need us, these tropes. Because he's powerful, think of the walls of Jericho and how they came down. God can do it indeed, but in his wisdom, he uses these soldiers, these fighters. And now in Psalm 8, 
we learn that part of his army, and in Psalm 8, you can almost say it's like his elite troops in the fight against the enemy and the avenger are babies. And what comes from their mouths. The Lord says, as I oppose my enemy, the enemy and the avenger, he who is out to destroy. That's what avenging means and, and shows. He says, these are my special forces. These little ones. And their weapon is what comes from their mouths. What does that mean? It means, brothers and sisters, our God does not need trained soldiers to defend his power. Even that simple sound of that little one, that already is his weapon. That's how powerful he is. He doesn't need skilled speakers, debaters, in order to oppose the enemy. He can do it with sounds that come from the mouths of a little one. Even though you can't understand that. Our king is so majestic, so powerful, that that sound is already enough to destroy the enemy. He uses it as a fortress as his special forces, because when the enemy hears those sounds, he's silenced. No, this is not said to idealize what children do. We can have a tendency of doing that. That we say, ah, oh, they're so innocent and, and, and wonderful what comes from their mouths. That's not Psalm 8. It's not about these children. They are conceived and born in sin. No, it is about the king and how powerful he is so that we can trust in him. If your king is able to destroy that powerful enemy in this way, then you can fully rely upon him. Then you should have a high opinion of what he can do and how powerful he is and how wonderful it is to put your trust in him. That he who created the stars is also using those sounds to destroy the enemy. Trust in him. For how does that sound defeat the enemy? There's more here than just, well, God can use that simple sound to show how powerful he is. That sound of that baby crying out, whether it is the first sound you make when you're born, or whether it is later on in the middle of a night when you want to be fed, that sound tells the enemy God's work cannot be stopped. That sound, that noise that is happening in your home, that you hear in the halls of the school, that is the indication to the enemy, God's kingdom work goes on. I can't stop it. 
Das war so beautiful, to teach them. That's why it is so beautiful to have them part of your family. They're essential in God's army. No, we don't underestimate the power of the enemy. Certainly, he's cunning. But with Psalm 8, we may praise our God for his majesty because he tells the enemy by the sounds of these babies, I will not be stopped. My kingdom will come. And brothers and sisters, that understanding of Psalm 8 verse 2 is also supported by what we read in Matthew 21, where the Lord Jesus refers to this very psalm and this verse. And also in the context, again, of a king, the son of David. Let's consider what we learned from Matthew 21. It is the last week of the life and the ministry of our Lord Jesus before he was arrested and was crucified. And the chapter we began in the beginning, uh, verse 1, highlights what happened in Jerusalem where the Lord Jesus is, is led into Jerusalem on that donkey and its young one, that triumphal entry, and the people shouting, Hosanna, the son of David is coming to the city of David in the name of the Lord. It's a beautiful moment where in a way you can say, yes, they have recognized now who our Lord Jesus is. The Father is directing all of this as well. And then he goes to the temple and he cleanses the temple because it was made into a den of thieves by commerce that was happening there and that was stopping what the temple was all about, and that is the ministry of reconciliation, the shedding of the blood. And in a way, the Lord Jesus is saying it will all be stopped pretty soon. And in doing that, he shows his kingdom, the powers of his redemption. The leaders don't like him, though. The Pharisees, the scribes, they question what he does. And then, and then children cry out in the temple, it says, Hosanna, the son of David. They take up what they had heard, and they say it. And the leaders take offense at that, at those voices in the temple, those shouts. They're indignant. And then the Lord Jesus, he takes these children under his wings. He does it more often in the Gospels. And he says, this is a whole lot better than your commerce. This is what the house is really all about and not what you made out of it. And then he says, don't you know what Psalm 8 says? And then he quotes it. And he, he it's a bit of a change that can be because of the translation that, that the Lord is referring to, the Septuagint, that from strength it becomes praise, but 
the difference is not that big in that also in Psalm 8, that strength is the praise of God, the, the adoration of God. So he says it. This is what is happening here. Now, brothers and sisters, again, in Matthew 21, too, we should not idealize these children or romanticize them. These children probably did simply what children typically do. They imitate. They, they hear adults saying it, so they're going to say it, too. That's what they do. Typically in play, they, they will imitate what adults do, and they play it. But it can change just like that. So do not speculate here on what was in these children, how they thought. In, in a few days, the crowds will cry, crucify him. It's very likely that some of these children will do that as well, because the adults were doing that. They joined them. Now the point is not what lives in them here. The point is, again, how the king uses them over against the enemy. That's Psalm 8, that the king is so powerful, he can use these voices, these sounds, and he is no longer dealing with his little babies, the children who can talk, who can say, well, here is the king, Hosanna to the son of David. Because look what's happening in chapter 21. The king is coming to his palace, to the house of God. And he's opposed and there you see the enemy who says no and wants to stop him and already has made up its mind they're going to kill him. They do not bow to him. They do not give honor to him. The Pharisees do not come out and say, Lord, you are the son of David. We will honor you in all that you do. And since they are not, then the Lord is engaging his elite, his special forces to silence them. Because notice afterward, that's it. They are indignant, but a king says, see, I cannot be stopped. And if you don't do it, and if you oppose me, I'll call on these to tell you who I am and what I do. And that's exactly what Psalm 8 also says. The majesty of our king. Now, brothers and sisters, from, from David and, and Christ, we, we come to ourselves then. Psalm 8, we hope to sing it this morning. And we need to sing it. Because we are also involved in a battle. We know that. That it is a battle happening. In which we should not underestimate the power of the enemy, the avenging foe. But we need to be reminded and we may express in our song our trust our trust in the power of our king and we also that may enlist in that as our king does the voices of the little ones these cries yes in the cradle in your home around your table and what they say and have to learn, our king is using it also today to tell the enemy, see, 
I cannot be stopped. Though you may at times be disappointed to hear that cry in the middle of the night. Or disappointed when your home is so filled with noise. The Lord says, keep in mind, I use it to tell the enemy something. And he hates it because he knows he cannot stop me. And that he hates it is also evident in that our enemy is busy telling this world children are a burden. You shouldn't have too many of them. Pets are a lot easier. Because children, they interfere with your goals, with your plans, what you want to do. So if you do have them, only a few. And if you don't want them, you abort them. Because he hates the sound of little ones. And as a result, our world becomes more and more silent. And the noises of children are disappearing. The price of selfishness. And brothers and sisters, we live in that world. And we should not give in to that. And we should not be intimidated by that. When it comes to receiving children. Or when you deal with the noises that are there. And it may not be at your most convenient time. But stand in awe of the king who continues his work through those little ones in the way of the covenant. He builds his church. And he establishes his glory and his power to be heard by the enemy. He wants the enemy to hear that. So let your homes be training grounds for the elite troops of our king. Let our schools be training grounds for the special forces of our king in that we sing, in that we speak. Those are the weapons the enemy hates. Yes, indeed, it's a blessing to be able to train your children in the fear of the Lord. And it begins at such an early age already to prepare them to fight with a free and a good conscience and to use the armor that they have received in Christ. And that's also why we're thankful that we're able to maintain our own schools so that we can help our young ones to develop, to stand firm, so that they may indeed make the good confession and are able to give account of the hope that they have. But it begins at the very beginning where the majesty and the power of our king shows that he uses those noises, those voices, For his glory, his kingdom is coming. Amen.